and addictions. And he takes all that on himself and he gives us life and forgiveness and wholeness. It's worthy to be praised. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we do want to praise you. You are worthy of it. You took all our sin to that cross. You took death to that cross and you defeated it there. Lord, and we're new in you. Renew our minds. Let us remember who we are in Christ. Let us remember where we're going to be with you forever. Lord, today we come in maybe weary, maybe some are experiencing sorrows and grief. And would you lift us today? Would you remind us in the midst of our grief, there's new life. In the midst of our sorrow, that there's also joy. And that you hold that together in us. We praise you that you did on the cross what we could never do for ourselves, And we just thank you so much. Would you speak to us today? Would you move in this place? Would you change our hearts? Would you speak to those tuned in at home right now? Would you move in their homes, their, whether they're traveling, their home, they're in their car? Or would you work through all the places that we are connected this morning? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated here. Welcome. Welcome at home. Thank you for tuning in here. It's good to have you with us today. And um, boy, I just want to just give a little shout out. We had a great crew working out here yesterday, so give a hand. If you, if you haven't walked this side of the building, you need to. We, we concentrated over there mostly and uh, Parking bumpers are painted and weeded and barks moved in. And you can see, if you came this way, you could see our uh, four picnic tables are up. We're beginning to shape out our patio area that we're going to have this summer. So I just appreciate all who served. I appreciate our deacons. They made that day happen yesterday. They planned it. They led it. They ran it. We've got some great leaders here. So I just appreciate our deacons that made that all happen. I, I was just a worker yesterday. It was beautiful because we have leaders who are leading. So I appreciate our team doing that. And it's all gearing up for uh, next Sunday, we launch our summertime to reconnect. As we've discovered during the pandemic, we need each other. And it's a little bit hard to reconnect. It's a little bit hard to come. Every week we've had a person or two say, this is my first week back. And they, some are like, well, I forgot. I forgot how much I needed to be here. I forgot what it sounds like to be in the room. I forgot how my faith is encouraged. And so we want to continue to make that happen. So next Sunday, 930 worship service. This group, you'll just be early if you forget. The 1030 group, you're going to be way late. So, uh, so get that dialed in, 930 next Sunday. We're going to have one. I'm really looking forward to putting us all back together again next week. And then when the service is over, we've got the patio area. They'll be ready to reconnect, to talk, to be together. With one, when the service is over, too, we'll have more time even just to stay and pray. God may move in your heart. And some people are going to the patio, and you're going to say, i got more business to do with God. And you're going to stay right here in this room, and we'll have capacity to do all of those things. So that's all kicking off next week. Also just want to say a note, we've had a, a serving opportunity going for the last three months, a grab-and-go breakfast, and uh, it's been a, a partnership with the Bridge Church. It was a three, three-month pilot project, and they said, hey, this is good, so we're going to keep going. So the next Saturday grab-and-go breakfast is this coming Saturday the 29th. Talk to Lynette, wave at Lynette if uh, you want to be a part of it, or you can find it on our website, northwest-church.com slash serve. And basically, it's, it's a community meal. It's free 
to anyone in the community. And uh, it's just saying, hey, we love you. We're here. And so it's going to keep going. And Lynette said, we do need a few more folks to flow in this summer. There's going to be vacations. Some of the, some of the ones who've been doing it are be gone on some Saturdays. So we need some new folks to come in and learn and work together. So we'd love to get a few more people in on the grab-and-go breakfast. Now let's jump into the Word today. We are in 1 Corinthians. We've been doing a study here this spring. 1 Corinthians will be uh, second half of chapter 2 today. Getting to go if you want to take out a Bible and get there. There's Bibles in front of you. There's digital Bibles. And uh, so today we're going to have this idea of riddles. Riddles. How many of you like riddles? You like to, you kind of like to try to figure them out and solve them and puzzles. I got some riddles for you this morning. How about what has to be broken before you can use it? And if you know the answer, just give it to me. An egg. That's right. Woo. An egg. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm tall when I'm young and I'm short when I'm old. What am I? A candle. That's it. We got some sharp people. You've clearly been to the same website I've been to. What is full of holes but still holds water? A sponge. There we go. Good. What question can you never answer yes to? Did you read my notes, boy? Are you asleep yet, right? You're, if you're asleep, you can't answer. What is always in front of you but can't be seen? You can see your nose if you go cross-eyed. But they always told me they might get stuck. I don't know if that was just your teachers warning you. Always in front of you, it can't be seen. Anyone? The future. That's it. The future. What can you break even if you never pick it up or touch it? That's it. A promise. I heard over here a promise. Ooh, that one's kind of deep, huh? What goes up but never comes down? Your age. Your age. Thanks for that reminder, huh? Anybody at the workday reminded like, huh, I haven't shoveled bark in a while. Okay. What gets wet while drying? A towel. These are too easy. A towel gets wet while drying. What can you keep after giving to someone? Yeah. Did somebody say COVID? <laughs> that, that could be true. We'll see. Your word, your word is what you can keep after giving it to someone. Okay, those are just fun. But the riddles, right? Riddles are ideas where there's a hidden meaning. You know, the answer's there, but it's not obvious. And actually, God uses riddles. We don't usually call them that because they sound kind of cheesy or corny, but the idea of a riddle is that something is told to you, and it doesn't quite make sense at first. The answer's there, but it's not clear, and uh, so we're going to look at God's riddles. Here's another word we're going to actually see. This is the Bible word, uh, encryption. Any of you in uh, IT, encryption, cybersecurity, to encrypt something is to purposely put a code over it, to put it in a language that's obscure, 
so that um, it can't be stolen or figured out, right? So codes can be encrypted or uh, a military message could have an encryption on it so that the enemy can't interpret it. But people who know the encryption code, who have it solved, can figure it out. So when you encrypt something, you purposely obscure it, make it not obvious so that it can protect it a little bit. We're actually going to see that God has encrypted or used riddles. He has a a plan that he's been working through all time, but it was actually encrypted. It was covered. It wasn't obvious. It was there. And we're going to see in 2 Corinthians today that Christ unlocks it. So here's our point. Christ unlocks the encryption code into the depths of God. Christ is the answer to all the riddles, right? All the riddles, all the puzzles, all the things that were laid in Scripture over years. That, what does that mean? What is that getting at? Why does he say that? It, there's an encrypted language, and Christ unlocks it or decrypts it. I think that's the right verb. Christ unlocks it. So Christ unlocks the encryption code into the depths of God. That's what we're going to see. So let's do, um, we're going to do 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And I want to just read the whole pa- chapter for context. Our focus is verses 6 to 16, but I want to get 1 to 5 in here so that we just kind of know where we're going, where we've been. So 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 1. Let's just read this chapter. I'll read the chapter together. I want us to hear God's word today. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet, among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it is not a wisdom of this age, or the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual." The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? 
but we have the mind of Christ. So that's our chapter, and uh, one of our core values here is making the Bible clear, and so we want to dig into this and, and understand it, and, and I love reading the whole thing because God's Word in itself has power, so just us hearing it aloud is powerful. So the context I gave us was chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. That's what we looked at last week. And, and as Paul's been going on this whole thing about comparing what he's been teaching against the wisdom of the Greek culture around him that highly valued right, uh, philosophy, wisdom, right? You've heard of some of those ones. Plato and Socrates, they valued this wisdom and it was always about thinking. And Paul said he came in here with a simple message, right? I just came with the cross and him crucified, right? I, I didn't do any of this fancy speech. I didn't get into any of the, the rhetorical styles of the day. I just had this plain speech. I just talked about Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that was the message. And he said it was God's power working. So he was contrasting that to the complicated, technical, philosophical wisdom of the day. And he said, I just came in with this message of Jesus Christ and him crucified. But then if you look at verse 6, where we start today, he, he says, yet, but, I don't want you to think that this is weak stuff. I don't want you to think that this isn't deep. I don't want you to think that it's not wise. Right? It's not the world's wisdom. And it's a simple message of the cross, but it is deep. And it is wisdom that blows away any worldly wisdom. You see that? It says, yet among the mature, among those who are complete... That's what mature, complete, perfected. Among those who come to Christ, there is wisdom. So he doesn't want you to think that the gospel is just kind of simple, weak. Well, it's just a silly little story of Jesus Christ, him crucified. And the world has all this complicated structure. And I'm just telling you this simple thing. It is simple, but it's deeply profound. It is a wisdom. Because it's, it's not like the wisdom of this age. It's not like the wisdom that they had in their time with pantheon of gods and figuring, trying to figure out what humanity is about. It's not about that. It's not about the rulers of our age. That's all doomed to pass away. And the wisdom of our age is really the wisdom of everything is in you. The individual is God. The individual desires are God. That's the wisdom of our age. And that kind of thing is going to pass away. There's one God, and he's made you, and he's created you. But here's what he's saying. Don't go thinking the gospel message is silly or simple or soft. And the real wisdom is academic or philosophical. He's saying, no, hold on now. It is wise. Let's look at verse 7. He says, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. It's just not plain on the surface. These ideas of secret and hidden. The Bible uses the word secret or the word mystery. And they're kind of interchangeable. We use mystery like, oh no, we can't solve that. It's, we can't figure it out. When we use usually the word mystery, there's a TV show and they're trying to figure out who, who did the crime or who did this weird thing and no one has the clues. But the Bible really means more of something that's purposely made secret. So it can be known if it's told to you, if you're given the information, but it's not plain on the surface. So he's saying, we impart a secret and hidden, and hidden is where I get the word encrypted. That's where we get our word encryption today, is that word hidden. So it, it means that God actually put it in code, that God had a plan. No, when did he start his plan? Did he start his plan when Jesus was born? No. Before the ages began. God had it all thought out. 
He had a plan all worked out. He, before ages, before time, before this era began, God had a plan, but he encrypted it. He codified it. He covered it, and it only was slowly revealed over time to the point now where Christ unlocks it. So let me show some to you. Okay, we're going to do a little Bible jumping, but I want you to see this, that God's plan through time was purposefully hidden or encrypted or put in riddles. Like I, that's why I did that at the beginning. And it only came in pieces. And it's really easy for us, if you're a follower of Christ, you're like, well, I know all these answers. You know all the answers because Christ, you have Christ. But if we looked at these one puzzle piece at a time, you go, yeah, I don't know what that means. So let me show you one. I'll show you four of them, actually. I'm going to show you four encrypted codes of God. There's a lot more. but So go all the way to Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. story of Genesis is God creating, puts Adam and Eve there in this beautiful garden. He says, I got one rule for you. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they ate from it, if you know the story. So when we get to chapter 3, it's God coming down. Everybody's pointing fingers. She made me do it. The servant made me do it. God, you made that lady. You put her here. Everybody's pointing fingers. And God's going to go through a series of curses because of their sin. So if you go to 3.14, it says, uh, The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here's an encrypted puzzle piece. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. If that's all you had, do you know what that means? If you didn't have, so don't run ahead. You just had that one puzzle piece, right? Okay, what do we know? Well, some kind of enmity, battle, strife, conflict between human offspring, right? The offspring of the woman and the offspring of the serpent. And then there's some bonking going on, right? One gets a bruised head. One gets a bruised heel. Which one of those is probably worse? Probably the bruised head, right? That's all you know. If you know the Bible, you're already running. But I know that. Stop. When Moses wrote that down, do you think they knew what was going on? I don't think so. It's encrypted. It's, it's in code. Like, what is this? It's a riddle. Who is this? What's this talking about? What does this mean? You don't have all the pieces. If you just had that one puzzle piece, you're like, I don't know what that means. Something's coming, but I don't know what it is. I'm just going to show you a few. That's one. Genesis 12. You go ahead to Genesis 12. Flip a couple pages. Here's another puzzle piece. This is moving forward in time, and God comes to this guy named Abram. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Here's a puzzle piece. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a puzzle piece, isn't it? Somehow, through this person's offspring, who at this time has no offspring, all the families, all the ethnic groups, that's what that word is, will be blessed. Do you know what that means at this moment? You don't. We know some kind of offspring, a woman's going to bonk ahead get a heel bruise, some kind of blessing through this guy. We don't know what nation's even going to be, right? So I'm going to make you a great nation. We don't even know the name of it at this point, right? So just see, this is God encrypting. These pieces come, 
there's time between them. There's spaces of thousands of years between some of these messages. So there's another puzzle piece. There's a lot of them. How about this? Find the book of Micah. Ooh, that alone's a challenge. Or you can just, I'm just looking at the screen. But if you want to find it, Micah's got one. Uh, there's lots of these, and Micah's right after uh, Jonah, if that gives you any. I cheated and put a mark in mine. Okay. Micah 5. Just Again, I'm just giving you puzzle. If you just had this, you'd have some information, but you don't have all the information. Micah 5, 2 says, uh, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel. Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth." Now, don't go run into Christmas. Don't do it. You don't know about Christmas yet. You didn't know about Christmas when God talked to Micah. He's like, something in Bethlehem, some kind of ruler that's going to be born, but he's from old. What's that? It's a riddle, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like a riddle? He's going to be born, but he's from old. It's a sponge. No, it's not the sponge. It's, right? What is it? And he's going to shepherd. He's going to be this great ruler. What is it? You don't know. You see, the pe- these are just pieces. Just that by itself, you couldn't say, well, I know exactly what that means. You don't know exactly what that means. Okay, then the biggest one, maybe the most famous one's in the book of Isaiah. This is, the, this is the puzzle piece that really starts to make the picture look clear. If you go to Isaiah, oh, we're already there. Isaiah 53. This is a really big puzzle piece. But again, if you just had these pieces, you might not have all the story. Isaiah 53, another, another puzzle piece. Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed." All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now that's starting, you're going, oh, I know the answer to that one. But did they know the answer? Did Isaiah know? It's like somebody's going to really suffer. Somebody's going to carry a lot. Somebody's going to, but I don't know what that means exactly. Do you see how those four, if you just, there's lots of those, of course. But they're puzzle pieces. Look at back in 1 Corinthians where we started this thing. We impart a secret and hidden. It's encrypted. It was codified. It wasn't obvious at the time that he spoke it. Those puzzle pieces did not make sense by themselves, even if you get a whole bunch of them together. Look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age understood it. It didn't make sense to them. It didn't click in for them, right? 
So if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord. Right? If they're like, oh, this, the Son of God's coming. If they knew he was the Son of God that was going to fulfill all these things, they probably wouldn't have killed him. But it was encrypted. It was codified. It was in riddles. Why was it in riddles? This is the, this is the most amazing part where you start to realize why God is wiser than us. It was in riddles so that they would actually do what God wanted them to do and not even know it. If you look over in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 13, Paul's giving a speech to, to fellow Jews, and he's explaining this. Acts chapter 13, he puts, he puts the riddles together. He, this is why it's codified. Acts chapter 13, verse 26 so Paul's in Antioch, Poseidon, Poseidon Antioch, and he's speaking, and he's explaining the history of God moving through their people. Verse 26, but brothers, sons of the family of Abraham. Oh, yeah, we read about him, right? Genesis 12. And those among whom you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, right? He was hidden. Nor understand the utterances of the prophets. They're encrypted, right? It's like, which are read every Sabbath. It's not that they didn't hear them. They didn't understand them. They fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. Ding, like, oh, puzzle just came together, right? Even the people who had the scriptures read to them every Sabbath didn't understand the clues because they they couldn't understand it because God was sending his son to die. And so by not understanding them, they rejected them and fulfilled all the prophecies. And that's why Christ unlocks the encryption code. If you go, oh, I know what Jesus did. Every one of those stops I just made, you're like, oh, well, Jesus he bruises the serpent's head. He defeats Satan, but he does get a bru- mark on the heel, right? He does go to the cross. He does take a blow, but it's not a death blow. He rises again, right? And all, all the families of the earth are blessed through Abraham. Well, Jesus is an offspring of Abraham, and the gospel's for everybody. Puzzle solved, right? Oh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but Jesus is from of old. He's the eternal son of God who took on flesh and who's now at the right hand of God and is the ruler forever, And clearly, Isaiah 53 is like the home run. Oh, that's who's pierced. That's who suffers. He took our sins. See how it, that's why he's saying it was hidden. It was codified. Even the people reading it every week, it didn't like, oh. It's easy for us to read. Oh, how did they miss that? Because it was encrypted. It didn't make sense until Jesus actually did it. It didn't make sense until he actually rose from the dead. Even the disciples didn't understand it. They were walking around all sad, and he has to come through the door, and they're like, oh, it's you, right? So that's what Paul's saying. It might look simple. This little Christ story might look simple, and yet God started it before the ages began. He codified it through prophecies, through his work, and then all of a sudden he comes with the fullness of time, and boom, and then just explodes. And now when you read the Bible, do you ever read the Old Testament like, oh, I never saw that. It's unbelievable. It's not the wisdom of this world. It's not, it's not, it's something deeper. But you have to have Christ to unlock it. Otherwise, you're like, I don't know what this means. He's the, he's the encryption code. 
So then I said there, he's the encryption code into the depths of God. Into the depths of God. Let me get back and So I'm going to show you three of them that are in this passage. There's more, but there's three in this passage that talk about when you're in Christ and you enter in and you're saved, you're in him, what does it bring you to? The first one is, the first depths of God is glory. Brings you to glory. I don't know if you saw it there in verse 7. Did you see that? We impart a secret and hidden God's encrypted plan, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. What? Not his glory. It certainly is for his glory, but this one says for our glory. Glory means weight. Weight. Not in the sense of Ryan ate too many cheeseburgers weight. In the sense of importance. When someone's weighty, they matter. You respect them. There's honor. There's prestige. They demand recognition, right? So if somebody has glory, that means they, they're important. They're upheld. And so it says, God decreed this for our glory. Oh, my goodness. To come to Christ brings us into glory. Look at this one in Romans 8, 28. Oh, my goodness. This, some of you know this passage, but I think we sometimes miss the best part. Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And we usually quote that when we're going through a really cruddy time. Like, okay, it's going to be good. But you got to keep reading. For those whom he foreknew, remember we said he planned this before the ages. Those he foreknew, he, all, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. To look like him in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. He made you right. Made you righteous. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Oh, that means he put weight and honor on you. On the believers are glorified. You have honor. You have importance. You're going to be with him forever. You matter in the kingdom of God. He has a plan for you. That's amazing, right? So it's not just that, okay, trust Christ and go to heaven. No, you're glorified in Christ to be with him forever, to be one of, to be a conformed, to be firstborn among the brothers, to be one of Christ's brothers, so to speak. That's amazing. That's the, bringing you into a deep place. God's glory. It's almost weird to say it out loud. Like, really, me? I shouldn't have glory. You're right. But in Christ, he gives it to you. He, that was his plan all along. So that's the first one. Second one, the second depth of God that Christ brings you into is an overwhelming future blessing. An overwhelming future blessing. I keep taking my finger out of 1 Corinthians. Okay. You see it in verse 9? But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We don't, we don't even know how good it's going to be. You don't even know how amazing the future is going to be. You can't see it. You can't imagine it. I mean, I guess that just undoes that whole I can only imagine song. No, you can't. You can't imagine. No, that's, it's still a great song. I'm just kidding. But right, it's beyond your imagination. My favorite verse for this is in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. He says the same thing. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Ephesians 2, verse 4. 
says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, not just little baby love, great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Well, where's Jesus seated? At the right hand of the Father. You just sort of imagine this like bench that goes on forever. You're just seated right there with him. Right? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You don't even know how good it's going to be. It's immeasurable. For eternity, he's going to show you grace and kindness. And he has riches that just don't stop. Right? That's what he's saying. When you come into Christ, we can't even imagine how good it will be. It's immeasurable. It's eternal. It's, it's overwhelming. You're seated with Christ, and he forever he's gonna, you're going to be in his blessing. That's pretty deep. That's two of them. We had you're getting to glory, future blessings. And then the third one, which is the longer one in the passage, is you receive his spirit. This is not something sort of, I don't even know the words, but today would actually be Pentecost Sunday. More liturgical churches mark that out, but today's the Sunday you celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. The coming of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. It was celebrated 50 days after the Passover was this Pentecost or the Feast of Weeks, and that's when the Holy Spirit comes. So it's fitting today, after Easter, the Holy Spirit comes, because that's what he says the third one you receive is the Spirit. Do you see it in there? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 10. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. That's how we know. That's how the encryption code works as the Spirit applies Christ to your heart. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Wow. Then he gives a human analogy, right? Verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him, right? No one knows what you're thinking right now. No one knows, right? It's going on in your mind. Some of you are right here with me. Some of you are like... I think, I think chicken today. We're going to do chicken, right? But I don't know. You're nodding your head, and, but I don't know what's going on in there, right? No one knows those thoughts. So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Wow. It's the Spirit of God <laughs> that is the third member of the Trinity, is God the Spirit, who's the, in the very mind of God, He's given to you. Whoa. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. That's the only way it makes sense. That's why they, they didn't figure it out. They didn't have the spirit of God interpreting the Old Testament to them. They're like, well, this guy isn't it. Kill him. And then later they're like, well, wait. He actually fulfilled all those things. Oops, right? But it actually was God's plan. And we impart this, verse 13, in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The Spirit of God starts to make it make sense. Right? You can read this book forward and backwards. I remember this, probably mess it up now. There's a story of this guy who was locked in, in solitary confinement, and they gave him a Bible. And, that's all he read. and then they, they looked in his cell years later, and written all over his cell were all these unimportant facts like the exact center of the bible is this there are this many of this word it was like all this like trivia it didn't make sense to him 
For the Spirit of, he didn't have Christ. The Spirit of God didn't come. So it's just this, I got nothing else to do so I can count how many thes are in there or whatever. Like totally missed all of it. Even, so it has to be interpreted. The Spirit has to unlock it. Christ has to come into you or else you're just reading a book. But when the Spirit of God comes in, suddenly his word starts to jump. If you've ever read, if you're a follower of Christ, you read this stuff jumps out of the page. Like, oh, that's me. Or I never saw that. It's a living thing. Verse 14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. For someone has not been opened up by the Spirit of God, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't want you to read that thing. It's, they haven't, it doesn't make sense. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. I found this to be a great relief. You, with Christ in you, the Spirit of God in you, through his word, we have the opportunity to figure things out. You can evaluate something coming into your life, coming into your family, and go, is this good or not? Is this from God or not? Is this going to lead to flourishing in my family or not? Is this going to lead to peace or not? Right? And James tells us, if you're not sure, ask. If you don't have wisdom, ask him, and he'll give it without judging you. So we have the Spirit of God to guide you, to help you make decisions, to help you figure out what's happening in your life, in your world. But then it says, but you're to be judged by no one. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. It doesn't matter if people in your, in, in your workplace think you're foolish in some weird cult or something. It doesn't matter what you think. I'm in Christ. God, God's already <laughs> brought me into his family. I'm eternally his. It doesn't matter what you think. You're judged by, no human on this earth gets to cast judgment on you. It doesn't matter. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean, well, cool, I can be a big jerk. No, that's not what it's saying. It's just saying you don't have to live under this constant sense of they're looking down on me and they think the faith is stupid and they don't think, they think this is unhealthy and harmful. It doesn't matter. Christ is the one we look to. Your sentence already passed to him on the cross. You already are going to be glorified with him. We don't have to get caught up in that. But isn't it hard? It's hard when people think things negatively of you. But you're judged by no one. No human is going to look at you at the end of your life and, and cast a vote. They don't get a vote. Christ is the only one with a vote. And if you're in him, your name's already in the book, right? You're in. So, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him... We don't tell him what to do, but we have the mind of Christ. Jesus Christ in you. The Spirit of God in you. God directing you. That's the depths of God, isn't it? That's the depths of God right there. Christ unlocks the encryption code. Once you're in Christ, it all starts to click in. But that's not where it stops. That's where it starts. And you enter into glory. We looked at that. And you enter into a, this future blessing that you can't even imagine how good it's going to be. And then you're given the Spirit of God that is the very inner mind and thought of God given to you. Wow. So here's some responses. Number one, it's always turn and believe in Christ. If you don't have Christ, none of this, it's not going to work. Nothing's going to make sense. He's the one that unlocks it all. And that's just a simple saying, Jesus, I realize you are the Son of God. And I want to turn to you. I want to repent. I want to change directions, change my mind, forgive my sins. I want to be in your family. That's step one. Another one is, I want you to realize how valuable you are to God. It says he glorified you. A lot of us end up living in shame over things in the past that is already forgiven. Things that you might do now and think, well, I blew it again. 
That's under, that, you take that to the cross, it's forgiven. You don't live by your past. We're new creatures. So I don't want you to live in shame and regret because you've been glorified in Christ. Some of you need to focus on the hope that's coming, right? He says, we can't even imagine. No eye is seen, no ear. You can't even imagine how good it's going to be, right? Right now, some of you can imagine how bad it is. Right? You don't even have to imagine. Just look at my news feed. This is terrible. This is terrible. This is broke. Now the economy. Now the, and you're just like, oh, let's just lift our eyes up to the future. Focus on the hope coming. And then the third one, I just encourage you to start each day asking the Holy Spirit to fill you. Fill me with you today. Help me to know, help me to make the right judgments. What's wise, what's unwise. What's righteous, what's unrighteous. What's healthy, what's unhealthy. Right? And, and help him to ignore the judgments of anybody else. Th- their judgment doesn't count. Now, I don't mean, that doesn't mean like if you go and, you know, before the cop, you're like, I don't care about your judgment, how fast I was driving. Now, I'm not, no, 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 no. We're not talking about breaking laws here. We're talking about someone's opinion of you, Okay. Yeah, there's no condemnation, but they still write you a big fat ticket. So uh, don't do that. But the point is to have, have them help you just ignore the feedback. Ignore what they think of you. Ignore That doesn't matter in the end. I want to be filled with what the Spirit thinks of me. I want His wisdom. I don't tell Him what to do, right? We don't get to tell Christ how it works, but we have His mind to guide us. And so ask and lean on it and constantly do it. Let's pray now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you unlock all this. We can't figure it out on our own. We couldn't figure it out until your spirit awakened us and Christ even began to make sense. And then we turn to you and you fill us and you direct us. I just pray that you would lift any here who are just feeling low and burdened to realize that you plan. Welcome. You can be seated here. Welcome at home. Thank you for tuning in. And uh, just big thank you. We had a great crew of people out here working. I don't know if you've walked through this part of the property, but the flower beds look great. The, the uh, curb bumpers got painted, so you'll know what you tripped over. There'll be no mystery there. But no, they just look so clean and sharp. And we're, we're creating, if you come over here, you see the picnic tables. By next week, we'll have a full-blown patio area. It'll be the patio. We got some fencing that we're going to put in. And so uh, please don't swerve through here at night and run over our picnic tables. We like them. But uh, the whole point of all this work was to get us ready for next Sunday. Just to note, if you come right now, you will be late. So you got to adjust, 9.30, unless you just want lemonade and cookies and you just stick with your 10.30 time. But, uh, but the, we want people together. I'm looking forward to putting our services together and then to just have time to connect and fellowship after. Then the other piece is since there won't be a service uh, coming right after the first one, we'll actually have time to stay in process. So some may go out and visit, but you may have some more things God's doing in your heart, and we can just stay right here and pray, and those two things can happen. So, So that's what's happening. Just a big appreciation again for all the work. Thank you to our deacons that led yesterday. It was really cool to just be a worker. I didn't have to be in charge. I just worked. They just put me to work. So it was great, great job to our leadership team to make that happen. And then one more thing we're letting you know. We have this ministry we started called the Grab and Go Breakfast. It was a three-month trial ministry that we did with the Bridge Church. And it went well. We're going to keep going. So it's the last Saturday of the month. 
It's a breakfast that we, we offer free to the neighbors just to say we're here. Love to, love to connect with you. And uh, Lynette said we, need, we have some people vacationing, so we need some more people we want to jump in on on Saturday. You can talk to Lynette. You can, you can connect her via our website, too. And uh, they want to come in, help cook, or help be outside and, and, and serve and wave at cars and, and just do the interface. So that's coming up. Our next one's Saturday the 29th. It's the last Saturday of the month. We're going to go through the summer. So if you haven't jumped in on it, but you want to, we'd love to have you be here. Uh, NorthwestJazzChurch.com slash service. Or talk to Lynette if you're here in the room. We'd love to get some more folks in on that event. Well, let's get ready today for the Word. We're in the book of 1 Corinthians. We'll be in chapter 2. You want to get that open and rolling. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And some of you are in the first service, so you can't give any of these answers. All right, so what we're starting with are riddles. Riddles. How many of you like riddles? You just like to solve word puzzles. I've got some riddles up here. So if you know it, you can say it out. Okay, what has to be broken before you can use it? An egg. That's it. Egg. You have to break it. Wasn't on my list, but you're right, a glow stick. There's two things. Okay, I'm tall when I'm young, and I'm short when I'm old. What am I? A candle, there we go. We had some kids in the first service that knew all of these, so uh, this, this group's taking a little longer. Okay, how about what is full of holes but still holds water? I think I heard it was say with say with conf- a sponge. That's right. She's a teacher of kids. She's got to know all these things, right? Okay, a sponge. What question can you never answer yes to? That's it. I heard Emily. Are you asleep yet? If you're asleep, you can't answer, right? Are you asleep yet? Yeah. Are you dead? <laughs> Only Steve would think of that part. What is always in front of you but can't be seen? The nose. You can see your nose. I heard it. Future. The future. Yeah, it's always there but can't be seen. What can you break even if you never pick it up or touch it? A promise. Yeah, I heard that one. A promise. Ooh, that one's kind of like, ooh, that gets you. Okay. What goes up but never comes down? (laughs) It's probably true, but it's not the answer I had. It was your age. Thanks for reminding you. Yes. Okay, your age. What gets wet while drying? A towel, Steve had it, a towel. What can you keep after giving to someone? Ooh, ooh. Your word. You can keep your word after giving it to someone. Okay, those are just riddles for fun. But the reason I did that is we're going to talk today about God's riddles. God uses riddles. We might not always use that word, but a riddle is something that's sort of plain language, but it's not plain. Right? It's, it's obscuring something, or it's a word play, or it's something that doesn't fit. 
Uh, and you have to think about it. And God uses riddles, or the word we're going to see today is there is an encryption code on it. I don't know if you have anybody that's in cybersecurity where you have to encrypt data so people can't steal your identity. So you take something and you purposefully cover it or conceal it so that it can't be seen or understood by the wrong person. So that's when something's been encrypted or encoded. It's intentionally covered or obscured to protect it. And so a riddles can uh, obscure something, uh, but God uses encryption code. The Bible word you might also see are parables. He uses parables, but he also uses prophets to state a, a sentence that seems like plain words, but there's an encryption over it. It doesn't make sense right away. So we're going to look at in God's encryption today, but here's what we're going to see in, in 1 Corinthians 2, that Christ unlocks the encryption code. Christ unlocks the encryption code into the depths of God. So that's what we're going to see in chapter 2. Christ unlocks the encryption code into the depths of God. So I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read the whole chapter, but we're focusing on verses 6 to 16. But I want to get you the context of the passage and, and where we picked up. And I want to read it aloud because God's word alone is powerful. Right? It's sharper than any two-edged sword. So I want us to hear the whole passage, hear God's word, and then we'll come back and and work our way through this passage today. So 1 Corinthians 2, if you've got a Bible, grab it, or a Bible in front of you, or the, uh, do it on the wall here. Chapter 2, verse 1. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ." So there's our passage today. 
Last week we did these verses 1 to 5. And uh, the, the whole idea, Paul's been going over and over about this. I, I presented a simple thing to you. Jesus Christ and him crucified. It was simple. It wasn't the wisdom of the age. It wasn't using the techniques of the Greek philosophers and the, the rhetorical traditions. He kept separating that this is what they were wanting or seeing in their culture. And he said, and I came in with a simple message of the cross. And, that, and it was powerful. And he was kind of contrasting his message that's the simple message of the cross with this wisdom of the age. So that's where we were last week. But so when we jump into verse 6 here, he's, he's going to say, but wait now, yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. He doesn't want you to think, yeah, the message is simple and the gospel's simple and, and the message of the cross is a simple story to tell, but that doesn't mean it's not profound. It doesn't mean it's not filled with God's wisdom. It's just not the wisdom of their day or of our day. So that on the, it, it can feel like Paul's saying, oh, it's just a simple little story. I just tell you about Jesus. And it is simple, but he's saying, now hold on now. Among the mature, among the complete, that's what that word would mean, among those perfected, among those who come into Christ, we do impart wisdom. It is wise. It's just not the world system. It's not what they're looking for, but it isn't, just because it's simple doesn't mean it's not deep and profound. He says it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. So that their world system had all the Greek philosophies you could read about and the ones Aristotle and Plato and all those ones. And he says that, that, that system's passing away. Our, uh, the wisdom of our age is it's all about you and your feelings and what you want. Right? That's the God of our age. That system's going to pass away. Right? So the, the systems that you live in that proclaim to be wise and to tell you truth, they're not God's systems. They're going to pass away. But he says, I don't want you to think that because the gospel is simple and the cross is simple to tell, that it's not deep and wise and profound. So that's where he's, he's coming back. He's like, yeah, it's simple, but hold on now. Hold on now. Among the mature, it's very wise. Look at verse 7. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God. So secret in the Bible is the same word for mystery. And it's something that's, that's, it's not that you can never figure it out, but it's been concealed. Someone has to tell you. Someone has to let you in on it. Right? It's not obvious to the eye. And then the word hidden, it's where we get our word encrypted. That's, where that, that's, the, that's why I chose the riddles. Something that's intentionally obscured or covered. Something that is, is blocked so that you can't tell what it means. And that's what Paul's saying. We impart a secret, a hidden and encrypted wisdom of God, intentionally covered, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So what I want to do is show you them. I'm, I don't show you all of them. There's a lot of them. But I'm going to show you four places where God's message is in the Bible, but you don't know what it means until you have Christ. Because right, I'm saying today that Christ is the, he unlocks the encryption. But God intentionally laid out his plan. Look, he has a plan that he decreed before the ages began. He already knew what he was going to do, but he covered it. He concealed it. He hid it in plain sight. It's there, but it's in, it's in code. It doesn't make sense. So I want to show you four of them. There's a lot more, but I'm going to show you four of them. And what you have to do is realize, that you, what if you just had that puzzle piece? Would it make sense? If you've been in church a while or you know that you, you already go, oh, but the, that means, no, no, you have to pretend you didn't know that yet. 
Right, so we have to pretend. So I'm going to show you four of them. You want to go with me? I'm going to be going first to Genesis chapter 3. This is the first one. I want to see. This is God encrypting something in plain sight, but it doesn't make sense until you get to Christ. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, this is after God's created, and he's put Adam and Eve in the garden, and he gave them one rule, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they broke the one rule, and then they immediately finger-pointed. Right? God come, what'd you do? That woman you gave me, she did it. And what did you do? Well, that serpent you made, she did it. You know, there's all this sort of finger pointing. But so God comes and he, he, he names a series of curses. This is uh, 3.14, Genesis 3.14. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, above all the beasts of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Now here it is, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. What if you just had that one puzzle piece? Do you know what that means? Is that clear to you, what God's plan is, just by reading that? If you say yes, you're making it up, right? No. All you know is something's going to happen between, there's going to be some kind of conflict, enmity between the woman's kids and the offspring of the, this serpent, and then there's going to be some bonking. One gets bruised on the head, one gets bruised on the heel. One of those seems worse than the other, right? That's all you know. Some people, oh, well, that means, no, no, you didn't have that clue, right? What if that's all you had? You have this puzzle piece. I don't know what that means. That's an, it's encrypted. It's in code. God says this important thing. I don't know what it means, right? So you go, okay, well, we'll just have that little puzzle piece. Let me give you another puzzle piece from um, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. I'm just going to show you four of them. The, whole, the Old Testament's filled with these. Genesis chapter 12, the story moves on. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abram, so God shows up, calls this guy Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and in him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. From that, do you know what God's whole plan is? No. You get a few more clues. It's going to be somehow related to this guy. He's going to be a great nation, even though at this point he has zero kids. And some kind of plan is going to happen where all... The ethnic groups get blessed. That's a piece of the puzzle. Do you know how it all works? Not in the moment. Abraham didn't even know. So we've got this one from Genesis 3. That's a puzzle piece. It's kind of in code. We've got this, somehow all the families are going to be blessed. That's a puzzle piece. That's in code. And I'll give you another one in uh, the book of Micah. Could see who can find it. I put a marker in because I didn't think I could find that very quickly. Again, you can't run ahead. If you just had this information just by itself, it's encrypted. It's not clear. It's obscured. Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2. It's by, right after Jonah. Micah 5.2. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor is given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. 
And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. Now don't go run into Christmas. Oh yeah, I know all about Christmas. They didn't have Christmas when Micah was given this. They didn't know. They're like, okay, something about Bethlehem. Somebody's going to be born in Bethlehem. Okay, something's there. Somebody, and that, is this, this is really a riddle. He's going to be born, but he's from old, right? Doesn't that kind of sound like those riddles? He's, he's coming, but he's from ancient times. But he's going to be this great ruler. He's going to shepherd people. Who is it? Who's it talking about? You didn't know. It's just another puzzle piece. Something's going to happen in Bethlehem, some kind of ruler who's from old. By itself, that doesn't make sense. Okay, one more in uh, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah's one starts really filling the picture in. And if you've been in church a while and following, you're like, oh yeah, this one's obvious. It's not obvious if you don't know about Easter. Don't go run into Easter yet. Isaiah 53, 1. Who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men and a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Like, boy, this guy, he's got it rough, right? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Like, oh yeah, that's ob- it wasn't obvious when the, God was talking to Isaiah 700 BC. They didn't know what it was. They're like, okay, someone's going to come. Someone's really going to be hated. Someone's going to be punished for other people. Right? You have puzzle. These are puzzle pieces. By them, even those four I gave you, you don't have a complete picture. So back to First uh, Corinthians, we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, encrypted and encoded, all through the Old Testament. It's encrypted. It's encoded. It's it's there. But look at verse eight. Verse eight. None of the rulers of this age understood it. Even the people in Paul's day, they didn't get it either, right? It was not clear. It was encrypted. It was hidden. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they read those and go, oh, well, this means this. We better not kill the Messiah. If they knew what it meant, they wouldn't have done it. But here's why God's so smart. (laughs) He hid it on purpose so that they would fulfill it without knowing it. Wow, right? It's a simple story, but it's complex, right? You go to Acts chapter 13, you're going to see this. He says the same thing. If they knew what was going on, they wouldn't have done it. They wouldn't have got it. But God's so good, he hid it so that they fulfilled it, so that his plan was accomplished without people knowing it. So his plan was accomplished for people who thought they were stopping his plan. You're starting to get at how it's hidden and deep and way more complicated than anyone could give credit. So in Acts 13... Paul is speaking in uh, Poseidon Antioch, and he's talking to fellow Jews, and he's trying to tell them about Christ. 16, or 13, verse 26. Acts 13, 26. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, so he's talking to the other Jews, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. 
Now look, watch this verse. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, right? They didn't get it. I just read you a bunch of utterances of the prophets. They didn't get it either, and it's read to them every week. Still didn't get it. They fulfilled them by condemning him. They didn't realize that the prophet said he'd have to be handed over and died. And so in their rejection and misunderstanding, it was actually the fulfillment. 28, and though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they carried out all that was written of him, right, they didn't even know they were doing it. They took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Bing, light bulbs start going off. Bing, 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 bing. And that's why I say Christ unlocks the encryption code. Oh, oh, he's the one that's come from the offspring of the woman, and he's going to have a heel bruise, right? He takes a, he takes a blow. He gets on the cross, but it's not fatal. But he comes back and crushes the head. Okay, now I'm, oh, all the families of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. Okay, Jesus is in the line of Abraham, but salvation is for all the nations. Ding, light bulb, that now makes sense. Oh, right, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, but he's from of old because he's the eternal son of God who only took on flesh. He, he's from ancient time, but he took on flesh and was born in Bethlehem. But now he's the ruler at the right hand of God, light bulb. And then Isaiah 53 really jumps out. When you see what Christ did, pierced for our transgressions. Oh, they actually, they literally pierced him. Oh, and he was like sheep led to the strotter. He didn't even say anything. They commented how he didn't, you, you don't even refuse, you refuse to speak to me? I don't need to say nothing. They were fulfilling. Do you see how Jesus is the light bulb? We kind of forget that. If you've been in church a while and read, been around the Bible a while, you forget how it all clicks in when you see, oh, we didn't get it because God encrypted it. He didn't want it to be gotten because they were going to fulfill it, and then it all unlocks. And so that's what Paul's saying here in, in 1 Corinthians 2. <laughs> it might seem simple. Oh, it's the power of the cross, but let's get underneath. Let's realize what God had laid out for ages underneath. He had all this encryption code, this story he'd been speaking of from before time begins, and now it's all unlocked in Christ. And d- don't start thinking it's simple. It's, br- it's so brilliant <laughs> that people fulfilled it while thinking they were stopping him. That's how brilliant it was. So, Christ is the key. Christ makes it all make sense. He decrypts it. He makes it clear. But without him, it doesn't make sense. So what I say here is that Christ, he unlocks the encryption code, encryption code so you can understand God's plan. But then where does it take us? Into the depths of God. So I've got three in this passage, I want to show you three depths of God. The first one, the first depths of God is into, is glory. Glory. You see it there in verse 7. You see it in verse 7? But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages began for our glory. Kind of my thinking he was going to say for his glory, which is true. But he says, actually, it's for your glory. I planned this before time began. I already knew that people would rebel. And I already knew that I'd have to send a Savior. And I already knew how I was going to do it all. But what was the point of it? For your glory. Glory means weight. It doesn't mean Ryan ate too many cheeseburgers. Weight. It means importance. Like when someone walks in the room, everyone's like, Oh, whoa, somebody just got here. Oh, that's an important person. They need honor. 
They, need, they have prestige. They have importance. They demand recognition. That's what glory means. If someone is glorious or, or, or glorified, that they are the most weighty or important person. And so here it says that you, we have been entered into Christ. God planned it for the glory of his humans that he just rescued. That you're going to be important. That you matter eternally. And we must or he wouldn't have sent his son. If he didn't really think we were all that worth it, he'd have said, well, yeah, you shouldn't eat that thing. Sorry, you're out. You know, I love my human family. I created them because I want them. I'm going to redeem them because I want them. I have an eternal kingdom that they're going to live in and reign with me in because you're important. Isn't that huge? Right? So he says, the depths of God, when you come to Christ and it unlocks all these puzzle pieces, one of the depths you're brought into is actually into his glory, that you eternally matter. Look in um, Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans right next door to Corinthians. Romans 8. A lot of times we know Romans 8, 28, but we don't read the rest of it. Romans 8, 28. We usually read this one. We're going through a bad time. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. And I go, oh yeah, okay, this terrible thing's going to work out. But keep going. For those he, whom he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. He said, I already knew you, and I want you to be conformed to the image of my son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. I want you to be alongside him. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified, made you righteous and declared you free, guilt-free. And those whom he justified, he also glorified, made you eternally matter. You're weighty. You have eternal honor. That's amazing, right? That's one. You're in the glory. The second one, the second depth of God that Christ unlocks for you is overwhelming future blessing. Overwhelming future blessing. You saw it in verse 9. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. Did you see it there? Paul does it as a quote. As it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. This ruins the song I can only imagine. Because here it says, You can't imagine. That's fine. The song's fine. I'm just kidding. But that's the whole... You can't even come up with what God's doing. You can't think, you can't put your mind there to understand what will the new heaven and earth be like. It's better than you can think of. You can't even imagine what God's prepared. He's already put it together. He told them that in John 14. I'm going to prepare a place for you. It's so good. You can't even figure out how good it's going to be. That's the depth of God is into this, this future that you can't even imagine. My favorite statement of that is in Ephesians chapter 2 when he talks about this future um, the future blessings, the future blessings that we can't imagine. If you go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, Ephesians 2, verse 4, talks about the future, this overwhelming future blessing. Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. But it gets better. And he raised us up with him 
and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where's Christ seated? The right hand of the Father. He says, you're sitting with him. I, I just envision this, this seat that just goes on for a really, really long ways. And you're next to him, and you're next to him, and you're next to him, and you're next to him. Right? We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You're there. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. It's so huge you can't even measure it. He said, I'm gonna, you're going to be sitting with me. You're, at the right, you're with Christ. And as time goes on in the new age, right, in the age to come, that he's, you don't even know how great it's going to be because you can't even measure how great it's going to be. Well, that's a pretty deep thing, right? That's a huge depth of God into an eternal future blessing that can't even be imagined or weighed or figured out. And it's just going to go on and on. Right, the third one, the third depth of God that Christ unlocks you into is you receive his spirit. So that's back there. That's verses 10 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2. Let me get back on the page myself. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 to 16 are about the Holy Spirit. You receive his spirit. Today actually be, uh, is a Pentecost Sunday where we celebrate that, the coming of the Holy Spirit to the church. Pentecost was 50 days a celebration 50 days after Passover in the Jewish calendar. is called also the Feast of Weeks, seven weeks past the Passover. So they celebrated Passover, and Jesus was crucified. They go to celebrate Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit comes. So it's fitting that we're on this spot today, talking about the depth of God that you receive through Christ. Is One of them is the Spirit. So look in verse 10. It says, These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? Right? So no one understands, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Isn't that a great analogy? I don't know what you're thinking right now. Some of you are like, yeah, this is amazing. Other users are like, hmm, I'm thinking Red Robin today. Red Robin. Yep, it's Red Robin. I don't know what you're thinking. I don't know what's in your mind. Right? And he's saying the same with God. You don't know what he's thinking. It's his mind. It's his spirit. And he's saying, but that spirit goes from God's mind that you can't access and you can't know about to you. Right? He gives you that. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Wow. Wow. That's how we understand the encryption code. It doesn't make sense until Christ enters, and then you read, and you start to go through the Scripture. I don't know, if, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, and the Spirit's in you, and you read the Scripture, it jumps sometimes. You're reading, reading, and it's like, bang! Wow, I've never seen that. Wow, I didn't understand that about God. And it grabs you by the throat sometimes, and you're just, wow! Or sometimes the Spirit's just interacting, you're praying, and God's communicating something to you. And you're like, wow, okay, He's got that. Even it goes from the depths of God's mind into you. That's amazing. Verse 13, we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths of those who are spiritual. Right? This doesn't just come, you just can't go to school for this. This is being filled with the Spirit of God, reading the scriptures that are written by the Spirit of God, and now illumined by the Spirit of God when you're reading them, and you have the very mind of God being brought to you in them. That's deep. Right? He's like, I know the gospel might be a simple story, but look what it unlocks, the depths of knowing who God is 
It's a lifetime. It's an ocean you can never get to the end of. So verse 14, he says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I remember this illustration once I heard where this man was in solitary confinement with a Bible. And when they took him out, he'd written all over his cell, trivia. The exact middle word in the Bible is whatever it was. I don't know the word. There are 852 times when this happened. If you divide this by, it was all this, not, no, he didn't get it. Missed the whole point. It was just this, like, I got nothing else to do. I'm locked in here. It's spiritually discerned. A natural person doesn't accept it. If you don't turn to Christ, which takes the Holy Spirit to even awaken you, Jesus says, no one comes to me unless the Father draws. So the Spirit awakens you. He draws you in. It convicts you of sin. You turn in faith. You receive the Holy Spirit. And then it can start to make sense. But if you don't have Christ, you're like, I don't know, all these stories and all these ites and all this. Why can't he eat lobster? Throw the thing out the window, right? But when Christ is in you, it starts to be deep and precious. So he's saying, if you don't have Christ, it doesn't make sense. Verse 15 the spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. This is amazing. This is one of the depths and the gifts of the Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God in you who comes from God himself, you have an ability to judge in your life what is good and what is bad. What is going to lead to flourishing and what is going to hurt you? What is going to lead to righteousness and what is going to lead to sin? Right? Not every scenario that you encounter in your life is written in the Bible, right? The Bible, there's, it's not in there. But the Spirit of God can help you in a scenario like, well, I don't have an exact verse that talks about this, so I need your wisdom. So the Spirit of God is in you, and so you can judge all things. Is this good? Is this bad? Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this healthy for my family? Is it not? Is this the direction I should go, or is it not? Isn't that a gift? James said, if you lack wisdom, ask. And God gives without throwing it back in your face, right? He gives without judgment. Yes, I want to help you. So when you're in Christ, one of the depths you have is that you can judge all things. You can make decisions. You can say, um, this is where I'm going, I'm not going, because the Spirit's guiding you. If you don't have the Spirit, you're shooting in the dark. But, I love this part, is himself to be judged by no one. This is a great gift. I don't know if some of you struggle with fear of man issues, pleasing other people. We think we know what they're thinking, and they're thinking this bad thing about me. When you have the Spirit of God in you, and you're in Christ, it doesn't matter. You are to be judged by no one. There's not going to be, you stand before Christ one day, oh, and then my neighbor, and then my coworker, and they get to say something too. No, they're not there. They don't get a vote. They don't get to declare anything. Again. They're not part of it. You stand before one person. Christ, if your name's in the book of life, you're in the door already, right? It doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what anyone else says. There's one person you're living for, and that's God. And so we don't have to be constantly controlled. What if they think this, and what if they think that? They don't get a vote. It's not part of it. You're judged by no one. You've already, the judgment's already been taken from you, put onto Christ. You've been declared righteous. Your name's in the book of life. They don't get a vote anymore. Now, that doesn't mean go around being a big, fat jerk. Okay, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we don't have to live under a constant sense of someone's opinion ruling you. Because their opinion isn't the real one. 
It's what, what's the Spirit directing you to do through His Word? Verse 16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Right? I love that. <laughs> no one says, oh, I know what you're doing, God, but wouldn't it work better this way? Uh, no. No, no. We, we can't even barely figure out what he's doing. As he said, I have to waken you up to know anything. You don't, get it, you don't get to tell him how it works. But then he says, but we have the mind of Christ. He actually gives you the mind of Christ. You have the depths of God through the Spirit. Isn't that something? That's why I say Christ unlocks the encryption code. All the stuff that was hidden didn't make sense, even to the people that actually nailed it. Didn't make, once Christ comes and once he awakens you, boom, you just like enter this insearchable ocean. Right? It's, you just can never get to the end of it. You are now received glory. You have a future awaiting you that you can't even imagine. And then you're now, today, given the Spirit of God that comes from His very own mind to you, to direct you. So here's some applications for us. First one is, always is to turn and believe. If you are not in Christ, then you're not, none of this is going to work. It's not going to make sense. You need to turn to Christ. Is the Spirit of God calling you today? Is He awakening you today to say, I need to turn from my thinking, from my direction. That's what repent means, to change your mind, to turn around, change direction, and say, I want to go with you, bow the knee, you're the Lord, you're the Master, and then all this unlocks for you. So that's step one. If you haven't turned to Christ, you need to turn to Christ. The second one, I want you to realize how valuable you are to God. A lot of times people live with an ongoing sense of shame for what happened, what went wrong, what went bad. And in Christ, all that's been taken away, right? He took that. So you don't have to live with a sense of shame. You need to live with a sense of that he's glorified you, that he wants you sitting next to him forever, that you don't even know the kindness that's coming. So don't live with a sense of shame. You live with a sense of who you are in Christ. Some of you need the application is to focus on the hope coming. Because if you focus on what's going on now, it's not great, right? I mean, just open up your news feed. War here, famine here, virus here, political scandal there, joblessness there, inflation here. You're just, ah, you know, get rid of that thing. Just turn on some sports. That's what I do. But uh, if you're looking at this story, it's, of course it's a mess. It's a train wreck, Right? We're dead in our sins and transgressions, so dead people do dead, sinful things. Of course it's a train wreck, but <laughs> we need to focus on the future hope that's coming. Now that's where our focus is. It's going to come, and God's going to set it right, and he's got a kindness for you that you, you can't even imagine it yet. What's the new heaven and earth going to be like? I don't know, but it's going to be really, 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 really good. And then finally, I'd encourage you to start each day asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You receive the Holy Spirit when you turn to Christ, but to consciously say, Holy Spirit, will you fill me today? Will you fill me as I go to work? Will you give me a direction? Will you turn me if I'm going the wrong direction? Will you help me make this decision to consciously? I actually have an alarm that goes off on my phone. I said it real, it doesn't wake me up, but the first thing I do when I pick up my phone, it reminds me to ask God to fill me with his Spirit today. Because we, we, have, we have access to the mind of God, the mind of Christ that comes from him. But if we're ignoring it, it's like, well, here's the most amazing advice ever. Yeah, I got it covered. Like, no, we don't have it covered. We need him to direct us and fill us. So I encourage you to start each day asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be directed. All right, let's pray. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you that you are the key. You're the answer to the riddles. You're the one that unlocks this plan that was hidden, and now it's unclosed, disclosed in you. I pray for any here that they would turn to Christ that has not turned. Lord, help us to realize how important we are to you and not live in shame. Help us to focus on the future and not on what's crashing around us. And Lord, I pray that we be people filled with your spirit, filled with your mind, directed in every decision. There's a lot of things. People are facing big things in their life. Heavy decisions, some of them. Would you give them the exact route through, the exact information they need? Lord, would you do that? And would you just let us be free from the judgments of any person, but just to concentrate only on you? Thank you, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.